All right, yeah, we're here. We're back. Uh, took a little bit of a, a break there because I'll be honest with you, because I wanted to. Okay? And, I, and you better be okay with that. All right, welcome back and welcome to the Man Job Podcast. Uh, are you hanging in there? Are you okay? I'm, just be okay. Just decide to be okay. I'll be okay. You be okay. And um, that's it. So, a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And, uh, you, you know, don't walk around with some heaviness on your shoulders uh, like you've got to solve it. All right. One, it's narcissistic and it's weird to do that. And two, it's not healthy. Okay. So just, you know, cl- very cliche thing to say, control what you can control. And here's what you can control. All right. How you treat the people you interact with, uh, how you take care of yourself, and uh, the way that you want to live your life. You're, in, you're still in charge of that. You might have to do with a mask on, all right? You might not be able to go to a big psychotic rager, all right? Those, those places might be closed or, or not allowed, or we, you, know, you can't go to a, a ball game right now. Baseball's coming back, that's cool. Um, but other than that, those other things are still in your control. All right, the way you want to look at the world, you can look up all the bad news. Just Google bad news. There's plenty of it. All right, or you can look at the good news. There's some good stuff there. All right, but just just be reasonable and and be normal and stop getting in fights with people and picking strange virtual shouting matches at each other about people that are going to hold an office that will not affect your life. Okay, it won't. All right, and you can blame it on. I always remember, remember Jenny's weird hippie boyfriend on uh, uh, Forrest Gump, and like he like he's he gets like rough with her, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's just that you know Nixon, and he tries to blame all of his you know basically lack of being a man and a good person problems on you know the administration, and I think a lot of people. Right now, we're just, we're looking, life makes a lot more sense when you have an enemy, okay? And uh, you can you can blame everything on this group of people or this uh, set of ideas that is threatening to you, and then you're able to just harness all of your energy and put it in this, if I defeat my enemy, my life will be good. Listen, man, you don't have any enemies, Okay. Uh, you got a bunch of people that are that maybe are looking at things a little bit different than you are, but they want the same things. They want to feel safe. They want to feel a part of something. They want to feel included. They want to have an opportunity to provide for their family. And you want the same things, okay? So you trying to turn it into uh, a bunch of people wearing the same jersey color as you or not, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's juvenile to l- look at the world through that lens as us versus them. There is no us. There is no them. We're all in this thing, just spinning around, smashing into each other, and, you know, trying to do our best, okay, if you're trying. If you're not trying, then you're not going to be very good anyway, 
okay? So take a big, deep breath, okay? And stop trying to take yourself so serious and uh, everybody else so serious and trying to solve everybody's issues. Guess what? You, if, you, if you got some snarky uh, comeback in the comment section on whatever Facebook post you didn't like, it's not going to change anybody's mind. It's not. It's going to waste your time, your energy that you won't be putting into something that you're passionate about or someone that you care about. And you'll be burning. You only got so many brain calories to spend per day. All right. There I go. I've gone off. All right. Listen, I'm excited about the group of people that we are able to put together as guests on this podcast because they are interesting, interesting people. We do not. We do not. Some people are well known. Some people you've never heard of. Some people I never really heard of until I got to talk to them. But the reason we select the people we select is it is people that are uh, they're they're chasing this version, this this uh, this experience of life that they're not asking anybody permission for, right? And and they're just they're 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 painting their own picture and they're making their own way and uh, stuff that that is just. Wild, out there, dangerous, um, you know, novel, unique. And this is no exception to those types of guests we've had on this show. Peter Capel is a merchant mariner. That sounds like an ancient job, right? He was a merchant marine. I don't know. Uh, what it means is, is you're, it's, it, you're not in the Navy, but you sail all over the world, all right? And you get paid for it and you do that for a living. Right? So this guy, he's a he's a he's a he's a crew member. He works on an icebreaker, right? And they and they say and they take research vessels. They take scientists to Antarctica, and they got to break through the ice. Uh, but, not, but so there's some incredibly interesting uh, experiences and and just daily life things that this guy does for a living that we get into. But but. The, the, the flavor I think you'll leave after hearing this conversation is this guy just submerges himself into whatever piques his interest and he, he teaches himself it. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal photographer simply because he picked up a camera and was curious and started snapping shots. He is a, an, a, an avid an excellent outdoorsman. He's a hunter. He's a fisherman. And, and, and really, he's self-taught. And he's just doing cool stuff with cool people, seeing cool things, being parts of cool places. He's also going to start to be uh, one of our uh, visiting correspondents. He is writing a series of articles uh, and sharing it with us uh, at Manchild. Um, going to be called Lessons from the Ice. And it's things that he's, you know, he's contemplated, he's thought about, he's looked at, he's, he's, and he's putting it to paper about his experiences there at the uh, tip of the world, at the bottom of the world. And when the, in the, I mean, I guess you'd call it the last wild, uh, isolated place on earth, Antarctica. And, um, but he's applying it to the things he sees and back, back home, you know, he lives down in South Texas, down in Corpus Christi. Um, he's, uh, he's a fly fisherman. He's a self-taught elk hunter because he just decided he wanted to. All right. I hope you take this away from this conversation is 
If you're into something, if you listen to something, if you heard a podcast, if you watched a show, if you uh, saw a buddy go do something, go do it too. Go take the next step towards the thing that kind of sparks your interest. And if it's terrible, if it's miserable, well, now you know, right? But don't don't sit on the sidelines and just keep want, wondering and basically tell yourself that you're not uh, qualified or you're not allowed to participate in the game, all right? That's nonsense, okay? So here we go. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, big things are coming for all of us, all right? Hang on to that hope. And, and don't let anybody tell you you're not supposed to have any hope because they don't know anything either, all right? Love you guys. What you know about me? Welcome back or welcome to the Man Child Podcast. It's the, uh, the, the, the format of struggle. That's the first time I've said it like that. It's a weird way to say it, but it's just what would you do if you weren't afraid to struggle? Guys, we're assembling a league of extraordinary gentlemen is what I would call it. And uh, our, our guest today is, is just, he's expanding our ensemble because this is an interesting cat. Peter capel uh has been to more places than you have and that's just that you can't argue that don't at me or him on social media because he's seen cooler things than you and took a better picture of it peter welcome to the man child podcast hey thanks for having me peter i came across as probably shamelessly a lot of people have through the social media platform that is Instagram because your photos uh, that you have taken are incredible. And then I started to dig into what it is you actually do, and I was really, really interested in this. And what is that for the listener? So I I work as the chief mate, chief officer on the research vessel icebreaker, Nathaniel B. Palmer. And what we do is we take scientists down to the Antarctic and we provide a platform for them to to conduct research down there. So for the for the layman, for the square staters, the no coasters. All right, that's that's me. That's where I grew up. All right, in the Rust Belt. There ain't no, there's no coast. We don't know anything about the salt or anything like that. What does all of that mean? So, um, basically, I'm a I'm a merchant mariner. So I went to college for four years at the United States Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York, and I graduated from there with a bachelor's degree and a third mate unlimited. Um, license. So basically it allowed me to operate any vessel um, of any tonnage in the capacity of third mate. And then over time, I've worked my way up to where now I have a master unlimited license, which means I can work as captain on basically any vessel that floats. That That's how many people 
in the world do what you do, give or take? Well, in the world, there is there's probably oh man, I don't know. There's definitely a there's definitely a large number. A lot of it's um, overseas in the U.S. There's a very small percentage of us that that still pursue this career path. It's kind of we're kind of it's kind of a dying profession in the U.S. Why do you think that is? Um, it's it's easier and it's cheaper a lot of times to use foreign flag crews. Hmm. What is it? What did you say? What kind of crews? Foreign crews, foreigners, like oh, um, foreign like crews. A lot of people. I'm yeah. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Uh, so that I mean, that's that's kind of the the intrigue that I have is this is not, at least when I had to take career class for half a credit in the 10th grade uh merchant mariner didn't pop up i was told i could be a policeman i could be a firefighter i could be a male nurse all right greg's a male nurse uh i could be um you know a doctor and lawyer a lot of people go to college for seven years uh richard and uh there but merchant mariner didn't pop up and so how did you kind of even come to the realization that this type of lifestyle was even possible um honestly like i i didn't know about it until probably my senior year of college um so i grew up on the water um i don't really remember a time where we we weren't on the water growing up on boats fishing kayaking whatever and uh so when i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do with my life i really wanted to get into designing sport fishing boats, yachts. And um, so I looked into that and realized that I needed to take a degree, to get a degree as a naval architect. And um, basically, Kings Point was the best school I could go to for a naval architecture degree. And that was kind of my first experience that this was a career path in, in the merchant marine and driving ships. And um, once I got into Kings Point, they started kind of telling me how much math I was going to have to take. And I realized quickly that that was not something I was interested in. So I switched my major over and started learning how to drive boats instead of designing them. Which is more fun anyway. Way more fun. Yeah. And a lot of it too was, um, so my dad has a, uh, six pack license, which is basically a hundred ton license that was limits you to six person on the boat and he got that when i was 12 and while he was studying and learning all that he used to sit me down at night and make me study it with him so um i i basically learned a lot of the stuff that i use every day on the water at at 12 years old so it kind of made my choice in college a little bit easier because i already knew a lot of what i was going to be learning yeah so where where was this uh growing up on the water where was that so i grew up in columbia south carolina which is not on the coast but i kind of feel like we grew up on the coast of south carolina because we would go just about every weekend in the summertime down to the coast and um go fishing and play on the beaches and stuff and that just kind of got down in your bones, and you're like, somehow, some way, I'm going to spend it around the water, on the water. 
Oh yeah, I think my my earliest memory as a child is being thrown in my dad's pickup truck, falling asleep, and waking up as he's backing the boat into a boat ramp and spending the day on a little John boat catching stripers in a river. That there's some that's something very, uh, you know, romantic about that. That you're you this thing started in a John boat and now you sail to Antarctica in how how big is the boat? The the boat that I work on is three hundred and eight feet long. Um I think the biggest one that I've managed to work on, she was about close to a thousand feet and that was a LNG tanker that um we see I got on that LNG tanker, I got on that boat in Singapore and we took it to Egypt, went to Savannah, Georgia, which was really cool because my family now lives down in Hilton Head. So I actually like took a tanker past all these spots that I go fishing with my dad at. Wow, that's really cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, so, how does it? Um, so you're going to school. Does every? Let me ask you this. All right, let's just wrangle it back in here. And then we'll go way back out in the world here in a second. Uh, does everybody that's operating any type of boat, are they supposed to have a license? Um, if you're doing it commercially, you should have a license. Okay. But like like for my dad, he got a license because we had, at that around that time we started offshore fishing and he wanted to make sure he had a better understanding of how to work on the water, how to be on the water. So that's why he got his license. But if you're working on a vessel commercially in any aspect, you have to have a license. I got you. So any, uh, you got any good, good, uh, close call stories? You know, I, I can't imagine the first time it's like real, right? Like, okay. You know, like how's it, what's a test in merchant mariner school? We're like, all right, you know, parallel park this thing. How's that work? Um, in school, so part of our schooling is we spent a year at sea. So as a sophomore, I spent four months at sea. And then as a junior, I spent, um, eight months at sea and I got lucky and I got to work with some really great officers that put me at a young age, you know, at 19 years old, I was, um, at the helm of of a thousand foot tanker going through the Straits of Malacca. And, um, just to put that in perspective, that's like, uh, taking a semi truck down a major highway with full traffic going every which way. The Straits of what? Straits of Malacca. So if you, Straits of Malacca is North West of Singapore. It's basically, if you were to come out of Singapore, you would go th- through the Straits of Malacca, and that would put you into the Indian Ocean. Oh yeah, yeah, the Straits of Malacca. I've been. There. No, I'm just kidding. I've never been there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said the Straits of Mohaka. Sorry. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Um, dude, I just, I think, I think you assume that, like, you see these gigantic things and going down, you know, like a barge or whatever, you know, in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. And you assume that those people, like, oh, you know, they know what they're doing. And then you, like, put on a YouTube 
channel that just boat fails and they just tear a bridge down. Like, you know, we're all pretty much at the mercy of whoever that person is behind a piece of equipment like you operate every single day. Is there ever, you ever get like, do you work, you know, don't mention any names here, but you're just like, if people knew that's the guy driving that thing, we'd all be a little bit more tense on the water. Or is everybody just a wonderful professional that's out there on the high? All, the all the guys that I've, all, all the guys that I've worked with, like they, they're top notch professionals, know their stuff. Um, especially like the world, the world that I'm working in now with icebreakers, like those guys were all, we all take a lot of time and, and, and train ourselves and we're constantly trying to, to become better at what we do because where, where we work, if something goes wrong, we, we can't call the Coast Guard to come get us. Generally, we're two weeks away from any kind of support. So, you know, we take what we do really seriously and we put a lot of effort into making sure that, that we're, we're doing our best job and we're keeping everybody safe down there. Two weeks from everywhere. Have you guys ever been the, the rescuer for somebody else? Yeah, we actually, um, the last trip that, that I was on down there, we actually had a, a distress call and we had to help a fishing boat get out of the ice. Um, How long were yeah. they trapped before you guys got to them? I think, if I, if I, and I can't really, I think they were trapped about two weeks by the time we got to them. I think they called, up, they called for help after about a, a week and a half. Oh, they, wait a second. We kind they of, didn't, you yeah. guys are different because you didn't call for help until they didn't call for help until a week and a half. Like, yeah. like, yeah. So with, yeah, go. No, I got to go. You go. Oh, so basically, um, like the, the boat we rescued there, they were ice strengthened, but they weren't, um, they weren't capable of breaking ice. So a lot of times what those vessels will do is, is they'll move through the pack ice by um, playing the tides, playing the currents, playing the wind, and they'll just kind of drift with the ice and play leads and cracks, basically opening through the ice as they can um, to get out of the ice. It's kind of a similar tactic that like Shackleton and those guys were using in the early 1900s when they were first starting to explore Antarctica. Of course, it didn't work out for Shackleton, but you know, there's plenty of guys that, that it did work out for. Right. What uh, What are they fishing for down there in the ice? Um. So that's kind of they're they're fishing for these things, um, various species of Antarctic Antarctic toothfish, which um, you probably have seen it or heard of it as Chilean sea bass. Oh, okay. um, if anybody ever gets curious and you actually Google Chilean sea bass, it's yeah. not actually a fish. It's just a kind of a marketing thing because nobody wants to eat something called toothfish. Toothfish. I had a buddy in high school yeah. named Toothfish. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, so you got you're going you're going down to this to this just it, 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 there's nobody there. It's the bottom of the world. The first time you get, you're getting on a boat and you go, yeah, we're going to Antarctica. You know, what do you, what are you thinking at that point? What are you expecting um, versus what you saw? 
I honestly, so the first time I went down there was in 2011. And I honestly like did not know what to expect. I was pretty nervous. Um, I just spent four years in college learning how not to hit anything with a boat and being told never hit anything with a boat. And so I show up to work and they're like, Hey, we're going to go hit stuff with this boat. And I was like, okay, that's, that goes against everything I've ever learned. So I was really just nervous about getting into the ice and breaking ice. Um, well, how did you get but, on a boat that you're, you're from the university of don't hit stuff. And then you get on the SS run into stuff. How did that happen? Um, so Uh, basically, so I, I kind of got lucky when it came, comes to that. I, um, I, the company that, that runs the boats, I called them up looking for a job and they, uh, they said, well, uh, we, we need you to work as a mate. Okay, great. That, that's perfect. I said, well, hold on. If you're going to have to go down to Chile. And I said, oh, okay, that's fine. I don't mind going down to Chile. I said, well, you know, hold on before you agree to this. You're going to have to go from Chile on an icebreaker to Antarctica. I'm like, guys, you, you already told me on the job. I'll, 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 I'll go. What? So they, they were expecting you to not really. Is this, a, is this yeah. considered a tough gig? Is this like, why did they think you weren't going to be all in on this? A lot of, a lot of the, the company I work for, a lot of what they do is in the Gulf of Mexico. So a lot of the guys they hire tend to want to stay closer to home, to, closer to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, we're typically gone anywhere from three, three to four months at a time. Um, so you spend a lot of time away from your family, which most guys do not want to do. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting dynamic. I think that takes place now when you first started this, were you, you single man, no family to worry about, you're not your parents and things like that, but yeah, I was, uh, 22 single, um, didn't, didn't have a, didn't own anything, didn't have any debt, just ready to work. And I think for the first probably five years, I was working about eight or nine months out of the year. Um, just basically getting as many CDs as I could and as much experience as I could. Now do you guys, what's the, what is the, the politics of the, uh, the population on the ship like i can't like hey we're about to be here for eight months together and you know the first two days you guys realize you hate each other how's that work out um we actually most of the guys that i've been working with now we've been working together for about seven years and we all get along great we we've all kind of learned each other's quirks how to you know how to read each other some days you just look at somebody and say, you know what, I'm just going to avoid him because he doesn't look like he's having a good day. <laughs> and some days, you know, we're all uh, cutting up and joking on on the mess deck in the league. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can imagine that there's just, there's so many different things and types of people and personalities that are taking place. Going, going back to school when you're doing this, I mean, is is this like, there's not like, this, this can't be like the normal college life experience i'm sure there wasn't like a you know a homecoming or a uh you know there's probably not a frat row 
down one side of the ship when everybody's uh you know how do, how does that work is, is it are people when you're when you're going to merchant mariner school you're not going in search of also the traditional college experience or am i way off on that oh no no it is nothing nothing i mean i i'm assuming i've never you know i didn't have the traditional college experience but from my friends that went to that it's nothing like that um you classes start about the third week of July and you're in school until the first week of June. Um, and then, um, you know, you go through an indoctrination period. It's a, it's a military Academy. So it's right up there with Annapolis and West point and the, the air force Academy. Oh, really? I, um, I didn't so, know, you know, so the PT and all that in the mornings or what? Oh, we do that during indoc. Uh, so like the first two weeks of, of your freshman year, you do that. But for the most part, we, we weren't doing that stuff during the, during the academic year. Uh, we did have to maintain a level of physical fitness and we did get tested, um, once every four months. What was the hardest part of the academics of it? Like the, 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 probably you're just, your course load. So I, and I can't remember, it's been so long. I think I was taking, I think by my junior year, by the end of my junior year, I already had enough credit to have a degree. So we're, I mean, you're taking, I think 18, 20 credit hours, a trimester. Um, you're in class all day, then you have regimental responsibilities on top of that. If you're part of any kind of a team or sport, you have those responsibilities on top of it. Basically, it's, 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 in a way, it's kind of designed to put a lot of stress on you so that when you get into the real world, into actual stressful situations, you're used to working under stress and it doesn't bother you at all. Well, I think that there's something, there's a takeaway there for every, is, is, and I, and I think it's going to tie into why you think this profession is, is, uh, dying off or much less people are going into it is we're obsessed with trying to make things, uh, less stressful, you know, stress, you know, oh, it's, yeah. I hear this all the time because I work for a university and we're like, you know, you know, these, the suggestions when you're training these athletes, that uh you you know hey guys on exam week make sure you back off because their stresses are higher and it's like bro they are you know listen this is not a operate a 400 foot ship through ice degree this is like i got a communications degree and i have an oral presentation for 10 minutes that i have to just not say um too many times like they're not that stressed i think our whole uh perception of what stressed out is needs recalibrated uh and i'd like to get your take somebody that operates in the real uh it doesn't get any more real arena of consequence as to what you think you know stress is versus uh, versus uh esoteric or virtual stress that we're creating that's it really doesn't exist. Um, yeah, so I know, like, try to, it's it's one of those 
you know, for me, the way I, I look at a lot of it is, is with stress is what I can control and what I can't control. And so basically I try to take care of and worry about stuff that's in my control. And I think too often you see people that, that try to control things that they actually can't and they're stressed out about them. And it's, you know, if you can't control it, there's no point uh, stressing about it. Yeah. Well, I think you, you can't control in, you know, rough seas, you, you, you can't control the weather report, but it's about to really dictate how your day is going to go, but you can't control all right, we need to navigate here. We need to make sure we're not there. We made it, you know, we don't, we don't do that. We love to just kind of snowball things into this whole, you know, mo- momentous force that we think it's just, oh, everything sucks. And why is everything so hard and all that? But when you, when you can compartmentalize your stress and your, and your pain and listen, it's like, you know, I got a big problem with, with with people that are okay with not being physically active right and they just because Mm -hmm. but there's also everybody i was talking to brody henderson about this from meat eater and it and because ranella has this thing called uh dreaded fun right where it's like you can't you simultaneously can't wait to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go hunting or go fishing but aside of you also uh, kind of is hoping that there's a huge thunderstorm and you get to sleep in at the same time because it's easier to not do a thing, right, than it is to make yourself go do it. But there's also no better feeling in the world than when you're finally there and you're doing it, you know. But we just we can't seem to get past this like wall we build in our head as to. You know, oh, I can't do that. I'm just, there's no way I could do that today. I'm just blown out. I'm so, I'm so beat up. My body's so sore. I can't do this today, whatever. When, it, when in reality, it's like, all right, when I first start, my heart rate's going to go way up and that's going to suck. But then it'll level out and then I'll feel okay for a minute. And then it's going to, and it's just peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, really stressful, chill out for a little bit, really stressful. And so then, and if I think about it in a, in, in, a, in the lame example of a, of a stupid workout, really in an hour and a half workout, there's been about 15 minutes of really intense, terrible pain. And then everything else was just, you know, it was pretty much okay. And then after that, I feel great and I don't feel like a big fat turd and all that sort of stuff. But we can't, we don't seem to do that. We are just trying to create ways to communicate to each other that any sort of inconvenience or stress or pain or anything like that should be dismissed, excused. And I'm so sorry that anybody asked you to do something like that. And it, and, and really, you are excusing yourself from the types of experiences that you get to see and experience. That's why you have 10,000 people following your Instagram account trying to live vicariously through you because they didn't pay and have 20 credit hours and deal with that kind of stuff and be away from their family eight months. There is a cost to big living and people seem that they can't, uh, they can't come to terms with that. I know that was a bit of a tangent, but that's, that is what draws me to having conversations with people like you is you seem to be okay with the suck of it all because the trade-off is worth it for you.
Yeah, so my uh, my dad has a saying that he used to tell us, uh, he still tells us to this day, even if I, if I were to call him up and start complaining, he would, he'd tell me, and what he'll say is he'll say, dude, just embrace the suck. Yeah. And uh, it, it's something that's really stuck with me. And, you know, the hardest days on the, when the ice is just fighting you and the weather's fighting you, you know, at the end of it, I kind of like to I sit back and I'll think about, you know, this isn't going to kill me. I'm going to be fine at the end of this. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm probably going to have a great story to tell about how we had this trial by the ice and it was tough, but we made it through it. And, um, you know, that's what I like to focus on is, is it going to kill me? No. Okay. Then you're going to be fine. It's going to suck. But at the end of the day, like you'll probably have a cool story and you're going to be okay. You know, when it, when it, when it comes to like, um, basically anything that I, that I try to put my mind to, I know that I'm going to go through a long period or a short period where it's going to suck. I'm going to not be great at what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to be physically challenged, mentally challenged, but I know like in the end, the payoff is, is I'm going to be better for it. And, and that's why I focus on personally is at the end of this, I'm going to be a better person. And that's ultimately what I want out of you know, anything that I'm trying to do with my life. How did, you, how did you get to that point? Is that where you have, are you kind of wired that way? Do you, do you tilt into thinking like that? Or is that something that was developed over time for you? Um, it's, it's one of those things that, um, I, as growing up as, uh, my, my, my parents always kind of pushed me towards pushing myself so in a way, I was wired that way. Um, I went through a period of my life where I avoided pretty much doing anything that would be like when I was home, at least not not when I was at work, but when I was at home in between uh, trips on the boat, I would kind of avoid doing anything that would, you know, be stressful on me. Really? Um yeah, I went I went through this kind of period where, you know, I had a good job, my career was moving forward, I was working, making money, so, you know, why why try to, you know, I'm home, I'm on vacation, I, I don't really want to, you know, do anything more than that, I'm on vacation, why should I? Right, you know, and push, I think that, that that's, that's, that's the... That's the default, right? That's the that's what we're communicated for. Hey, save yourself the headache. <laughs> you know why? Why? Yeah. Why do you want to put yourself in that kind of? Okay, and that and that changed for you. Yeah. Why? How? Yeah. Um. So it's honestly, it's. it's I'll be honest. Like I, I, I personally feel like it's it's a work in progress. Um. But basically. Um, in 2016, I got furloughed for a few months. And when I got the call that I was being furloughed, I looked at my bank account and was broke. Um, so I ended up having to pick up kind of a second job and move back in with my parents. And, um, while I was doing that, I ended up, I was running these, these dolphin cruises out of Hilton Head, South Carolina, and I was working from like 7 a.m. to 9 o'clock at night, um, just working every trip that I could, and I just loved it, you know, just hard work, making money, and 
that kind of sparked this 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 path in front of me of like, hey, you know, you you've got six months of out of the year. Why aren't you using that to to better yourself, to learn new skills, and and you know, become a better person? And um, I I kind of spent a little while trying to figure out what that road was, you know, like what I wanted to do with with that newfound kind of drive. Um. Yeah. Well, there's something. Here's what I. Here's what I'm taking away. You tell me if I'm if I'm off off the path here, but you've got this world class education that only you know yeah. a certain amount of people in the United States even have at a prestigious Mariner Academy, and three. What? When did you graduate? 2011. Okay, so. Uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. five years later, you're out of work and you're broke and you're like, and you're pushing tourists around to go look at dolphins, which locals are just like, yeah, a dolphin. It's like seeing a pigeon in New York city and you're you, and from, you know, 14 hours a day. Why didn't you get really sour? Cause there's, there are two roads you could have gone and be like, dude, screw this. I went all in on this type of adventure and I'm not, a, and I'm broke and my, and my career was supposed to blow up and I had all, I was working my brains out to have all these certifications and all these, uh, licensures that, that nobody else can get unless you put in the time, put in the hours, put in the work. And now I'm driving this freaking tour bus on the water. Like, why didn't you get all salty about that but instead you decide to look at it like you know why am i not spent this is going to come back and i'm going to have these times off again and why am i not putting myself into a lifelong experience of of learning and 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 putting myself in situations and teaching myself things like that's not common where'd that come from um so the the way i looked at that whole um you know that whole experience like like basically you know looking and, and seeing that to, to to pay bills i needed to pick up a second job um i looked at that and said dude that's your own fault that's you know no one else's fault but yourself you you haven't been wise about what you're doing and you, you know you you really need to to grow up a little bit without but not too much um yeah, so I, I I basically put it all on myself and said, you know, you've got to do better. You've got to be a better person. And, um, you know, at the time I just started dating my, my now wife and I was like, she, you know, that was kind of also a drive factor. Like, she deserves the best version of you that, that you could be and, and this isn't it. Man, that's there. there's the most rare thing right there is – uh, failing or coming up short of where you want to be and owning it. And then uh, realizing that those things are completely tethered to the, the best version of yourself is, is cousins with uh, ownership. And uh, that, yeah. that, that that's a refreshing thing to hear. So, um, so then from, from where, where are we going from there? So you're out there, you, you make this realization, you're like, I, you know, I was stupid, I was, I, whatever, I, sp I spent, you know, I spent money foolishly, whatever it was, uh, you know, this is your fault, and if it ain't going to get better unless I do something about it, where do you go from there? So, um, yeah, so immediately, like, I kind of didn't know what I was, what I wanted, I just knew that I, I needed to become a better person, but I wasn't really sure what to do. 
And at the time, I was studying for my my chief mate unlimited exam. So, you know, I was um, in between working. I was studying for this license um, so I could upgrade upgrade my license. And uh, let's see, one one week, I just I just needed a break. I had been studying so much, I couldn't look at another book, and I I just told my parents like. Hey, I'm I'm going back to Florida because at, at the time I was technically living in Florida, but the only place I could find a job was was living out of my living back home with my parents and up in Hilton Head. So I think I told them Friday morning and Friday afternoon I was back in Florida, and um, I came I walked in the house and my my roommate was listening to uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. And he, he told me, he's like, hey, you should check this out. He does these interviews with this guy, um, Stephen Ranella, and, and you should, you should listen to those. I think you'd really like them. And, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. And, uh, he ended up putting on one of Ranella's podcasts and just remember like sitting there with just mesmerized listening to Ranella talk about the outdoors. And we ended up that, that weekend watching all of all of the meat eater television show and i was like yeah this 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 is something i could definitely get into um because i i grew up hunting i grew up fishing i grew up in the outdoors and, and i'd kind of gotten away from that over the years and and i realized you know looking back as a kid what had always made me happy was going outside and being outside um you know, in, in high school, me and my buddies were the guys that kept fishing rods in our cars and we would skip out during lunch and go fish the ponds around, <laughs> around the school. So I, uh, I went back to work in January after watching all that meat eater show and I downloaded just a bunch of uh, meat eater podcasts and then a bunch of other podcasts about hunting and I started formulating this idea and this plan that um, I was going to go elk hunting in Colorado. And so uh, I just started studying as much as I could and getting as much information as I could about how to successfully pull off a, uh, a big game hunt out west in the mountains. And um, There's yeah. a... <laughs> That's not a normal reaction to when somebody says, uh, hey, listen to this podcast, you know, like, you know, most people, eh, you know, they they put on, oh, man, you should see the new episode of Meat Eater where he goes to, uh, you know, Alaska on a sheep hunt and people watch it and then they go, oh, it's cool. Let's, uh, you know, let's go to Chili's and that's it. Right. But whereas you're like, I, I want part of this. I want that experience. Um, had you been elk hunting before? No, I, I actually had never even seen an elk. Okay. Um, so you actually, even... no, I had seen one once in 2012, but I didn't know it was an elk at the time. Which is even... As weird as that. <laughs> so you saw an elk, <laughs> thought it was a mule, and had no idea. Didn't and, know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, look at that weird looking horse. And then, you, but but my my point is is so many of us see something like 
what the guys at Meat Eater are doing or or whatever. These these big yeah. adventures and they just you just instantly find a way to tell yourself you're disqualified from that experience. You can't afford it. You don't know anything about it. You didn't grow up. Your dad didn't show you how to do that. And you and but you don't look at things like that. So that I'm trying to pull on where is that coming from for you? Um Man, I don't know. I just I don't know. I just you know, I've always just if if there's a way to to do something, you know, growing up, we were always, you know, if if you want to do something, you figure out how to do it. And you know, our our my parents, um, they they never made things easy for us. They they very well could have, but you know, if I, I still remember, I think I was 13, going to my dad and saying, "Hey, I, I want a mountain bike." Uh, it cost a hundred dollars, and he looks at me. and goes, "Well, I guess you need a job." Well, I guess you need a hundred bucks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, they, um, they, they always gave us the tools to succeed, but they never, they never let us. You know, they, they, they let us do it on our own and, and figure out how, how. They never just held our hand growing up. And I keep saying, um, uh, so I have a, I have a sister, and that's why I keep. <laughs> using the, the yeah, plural. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, but, um, did you, uh, yeah. did you, do you, when you, when you hash out these plans in your head, do you keep it to yourself? Because you know, the haters are going to be, you know, what are you talking about? We're not going elk hunting. Shut up. You know, or do you, or do you, do you have a, a close knit group where they share this kind of same type of thinking and, and, and like, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's go after it. Or, or is this kind of, have you been an outsider when it comes to that kind of thing? Um, it's, I've, I, uh, so I, it's kind of hit or miss. Um, I, I'll tell like, like, so when I went on that elk hunt, which we, we ended up going and I say we, cause my roommate that introduced me to meat eater, he actually went with me and, um, I, I'll, I'll mention it to a few, few people. Um, but I don't really like. You know, I don't go around telling everybody. I kind of try to keep stuff that I, I do it because I, I, you know, but at the same time, like when people tell me like, hey, you know, um, you shouldn't do that. I just ignore them. So the spring, the next spring, so the spring of 2018, I went on a bear hunt in Wyoming by myself and everyone was like, you are crazy. You definitely shouldn't go do that. And I was like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going, I'll be fine. I, I can handle, you know, being in the woods and I feel pretty okay about it. Um, I do have, I'll be honest, like I have a fear of mountain lions and it's, it's one of those things that I know, like it's the only way I'm going to get over it is just, just to, <laughs> Man, they're, they're just quiet and you, they just show up out of nowhere. You're... And it's one of the, but it's one of those things like I know for me that the only way I'm going to get over that fear is to just keep going into those woods until I get, you know, comfortable around it. And so I can't let that be something that's like, well, I'm not going to go hunting because, oh, there might be a mountain lion. Well, you know, I go swimming in the ocean all, all the time and it's, you know, the sharks, sharks are everywhere. pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it's a fear I have, but at the same time, like, 
I know I need to get over it. So I think there's uh, so, so you, you you had this kind of backloading uh, self evidence that you you're 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 pretty okay with betting on yourself to figure it out. You know, my one my my yeah. buddy and and one of our our kind of uh, co-founders here at Manchild, Heath Brown. He's always he's you know if 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 on his tombstone it says ah we'll figure it out, and that's kind of what he's because he's he's completely okay with just all right let's go it's going to be awful and miserable and, and I'll, I'll you know see you at four a.m. whatever and then we just we we figure it out even if we don't that day we know eventually we will because we've we've got a little bit of a of a case built up for ourselves so far that you know if you're all right with like you said embracing the suck you can figure it out and i think you know your dad uh gifted you that like okay you want these things we all want things figure it out you know and so you were able to do that at an early age because he was forcing your hand to figure out how you get what you want Mm -hmm. oh yeah and then um, I know too, like a lot of, a lot of, you know, uh, being in the merchant Marine, you're on a ship in the middle of the ocean. You, you have to figure, there is no not figuring out when problems arise because there's no one coming to help you. Like you either figure it out or you don't go home. And <laughs> there's not an 800 so, number, a helpline. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. So yeah. you you uh, what what? Why are you guys going down to Antarctica? Um, most of what we're doing is we're taking scientists down there, and they're um, they do research. Um, they're researching most of it's in and around um, climate change. So they're, they're studying water, animals, uh, ice, you name it. They, they're looking at it in some form or fashion. So you guys are taking the scientists out? Like, is that how it works? So the scientists get on your ship and you take them where they need to go? Or are you guys doing the research? How does that work? No, no, I, I just drive the boat. I'm basically like a Antarctic Uber driver. You tell me where you need to go and I'll take you there. Has Uber reached Antarctica yet? Or is that... Uh... <laughs> All right, so I... It... Actually... Go ahead. I would say it might be in the McMurdo, but is, I don't know. What does that mean? It's a it's a research station down there, a U.S. research station. The big city. No, no, no. Yeah, the booming metropolis of McMurdo. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah, I guess. Here's how much of an idiot I am about one of our continents. Is I mean, is this? A, can you get out? Do you get out and walk around? Like, what do you do? You stop in Antarctica? Is there a, you know? Or are you just you're on the ship the whole time? How does this work? Depends on the cruise. Um, depends on the cruise. So there are a scattering of different bases operated by different countries around the continent. And occasionally we do like visit the, those bases and you can get off the ship and you can walk around a little bit. Um, but for the most part, most of the cruises which they'll range anywhere from 30 days to 67 days. And for most of those, you don't get off the ship. You're basically, yeah, you're confined to the ship for, you know, 60 days. Where's the favorite place? Where's your favorite place you've been so far? Oh man, down there. Um, 
Probably the the peninsula. The, I mean, not, the it, not peninsula even just Antarctica. Region. Not even just just anywhere that you've that you've sailed. Where's been your favorite spot? Oh man! Um, honestly, one of the, the the coolest places that I've got to go to. Uh, we we went to. Um, uh, I was when I'm on my first ship. I was on a car carrier. Um, we went to Giataro, Italy, which is basically like on the top of the foot of Italy. And um, the third mate at the time, I was a cadet, so the third mate took me to this restaurant. And the front door was open. We walked in the restaurant. All the lights were off. And we were, you know, we're like, oh, man, this guy's closed. And uh, the, the owner came out of the back and stopped us from leaving sat us down, opened up his whole restaurant. He had just gotten back from the market. So he's showing us all of these, these stuff he just bought back from the market. And he takes the menus and he says, no, no. He basically tells us like, no, you don't need menus. I'm cooking for you guys. Just, just sit tight. I'll bring you some wine. I'll cook for you guys. And he just, you know, opened up his, his shop, opened up basically, you know, his, his, his home and, and brought us in and made us this, this amazing amazing meal and it's just one of the coolest experiences you know i think i've ever had that happened to me at a burger king one time no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's a, that that's a, it's it's refreshing to hear that there's still people like that and that's not just like a wes anderson movie but it's you know those are real parts of the world that you can you can go see so you're married now Right. And how does one that is uh, at sea nine months out of the year find love? Um, well, <laughs> I actually met my wife on the ship. She <laughs> there is you go. A, that makes, uh, that she, makes total sense. She's a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the science. Uh-huh. You were, oh, I get it. Okay, the scientist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, a, the, the Uber driver and the scientist. Yeah, and uh, so she's a scientist, and then I somehow got really lucky, and so she she's been on the boat. She knows what the boat does, and then also like her her dad works on um he he works overseas on oil rigs, and so he spent her entire life leaving for a month and then being home for a month. So she's you know very used to this lifestyle that that we're kind of in right now already. Now, when you travel, are you guys you you doing separate things still, or are you guys on the same boat, or you going? How's that work? She um, no, she she I, I think she, um, she's only been on the boat once, and so normally, like, we'll have a group of we don't have like the same scientists come on every time. We get different groups, so she's only been on once. Um, oh, so you, you you sealed the deal in one trip. Yeah, actually, uh, so we met and then we didn't start dating for a year, almost a year after she got off the boat. We kind of talked a little bit and then, you know, I think um, January 1st of 2016 was one of those like, do you, you know, you want to try this? And at the time I was living in Florida and she was living in Houston and we decided to try a relationship out from that distance and yeah. Sounds like a Robert Worked Earl out King so far. song. 
Interesting. So, uh, yeah, because that was my next question. Did you, uh, did you guys start dating on the boat, but you didn't? Because then you'd be like, hey, do you want to go to the stern later tonight? <laughs> like, you'll pick her up <laughs> down the hall. Like, how does, does dating happen on the ship? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, the, yeah we're definitely not the, the first couple that, that met on that boat. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's so there is there is uh there is romance to be had on the vessel. Yes, yes. But but seriously, you guys like do you just walk around? Is there just a hey, you know, meet me at seven? Is there, you guys go on a you go on a uh, a lookout deck date? How does that work? No, no. I mean, like when she was on the boat, basically, you know, we we just kind of chat here and there it wasn't really any kind of like dating thing it was just you know basically becoming friends more than anything Mm. so yeah all right let's go back to the elk hunt so you 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 watch a bunch of you watch a bunch of uh uh meat eater and you're like all right let's go elk hunting and how'd you draw the tag uh so actually colorado has an over-the-counter tag for non-residents so we were able to just purchase tags. How did you go. learn about the zone you're allowed to go to and all that sort of stuff? Um, I So one of the things that, I mean, I listened to hours of the the Gritty podcast and I can't remember the other, there's another podcast. And I just, I, I listened to hours upon hours of those podcasts and just, I, I, I could show you, I got like, tons of notes on on what to look for and where to go and then when we were trying to figure out where we we're gonna go i started um i was using go hunt and i just read basically as much as i could about um, every single unit and at the end base you know kind of had an idea where we might have a chance and uh, i actually got to go out about a month beforehand with my wife um and we we did a camping hiking trip in the same area that that i was gonna hunt in and i was able we were able to find elk so i felt pretty okay that we might have a shot at at at, at getting an elk how long when, when you went hunting how long did you go we ended up going for 18 days but we would basically Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> no. Um we yeah, we spent pretty much most of September in in the woods. Um we would but we would hunt like you know, three or four days and then we might go spend a night in town and then we might go back out for a few days. Um one of the issues we had is we got all the way out there, we started hunting and we got a text message via satellite that the that our house in florida was about to get hit by a hurricane so we had we actually spent a day or two in town trying to figure out if we needed to drive back to florida and it was we were kind of at a point where uh what part of florida were you living at the time melbourne um oh yeah. yeah one of my really good friends lives in melbourne right there on the indian that's pretty cool yeah so you're you you'd go back and forth in between were you archery hunting or are you rifle hunting? Archery hunting. Okay. And so how'd it turn out? 
Um, we got close, uh, but you know we were so inexperienced that most of the time the the elk would kind of see us first. Who'd you go with? Um, we you know uh, my my roommate, uh-huh. uh, Caleb. I got you. So yeah. just just you two. Yeah. Is and and he's yeah. he's a he's a mariner as well. So you both have the same amount of time. Yeah, I got yeah you. yeah. He actually uh, we worked together and we were roommates. So, so you go out there and and you know no beginner's luck, but a a, a humbling experience nonetheless. And uh, that's kind of when you you started. Go ahead. Yeah yeah. So. Um, we learned a ton, um, and, you know, I felt afterwards, I felt a lot more confident about being in the woods. And then also I, before we left, I, we had talked it over and I decided that we'd try and film the whole entire hunt, um, and try to put like a, a movie together. Did you do and, that? uh, I actually did. Um, I don't, I haven't put it up on anything because I don't have the right to the music, but I, I, you know, maybe I will. I don't I have to talk to him about it. Yeah. Um, but it, because it's, it's kind of, it's kind of silly, but <laughs> if you I know us, that's kind of how we operate. Um, yeah. you know, interesting, but I, uh, I also kind of at the same time, um, started taking some pictures uh, in between filming stuff, I kind of realized, like, you know, this elk hunt isn't going to go quite how we had hoped. It was starting to look kind of bleak that we were going to be able to kill an elk. And uh, so we, uh, so I just, for whatever reason, decided to start trying to take some pictures. And you had never done that before? Um, I hadn't done it in a long time. Um, the camera that I was using, I had bought previously, um, on a road trip. So I went in 2012, a different buddy and I went on a five week road trip where we were living out of our trucks and I bought a camera to take pictures during that. But then, um, you know, I didn't, I kind of set it to the side and was like, ah, I don't want to mess with that. So this was like the first time I'd picked the camera back up was in, yeah, in 2000. 17 five years later so and now i mean you've got photos that are getting featured in publications and i mean it's just obviously thousands of people uh are are seeing your photos on instagram how did you how did you kind of perfect i mean you humbly probably wouldn't say perfect but you know get better at that craft on your own How'd that happen? Um, I, uh, I, I I took a few photos and, um, I think I threw a few of them up on Instagram and and like my mom, you know, my mom was like, Hey, those pictures are really good. I was like, Oh, well, you know, my mom likes them. Maybe I can figure out how to, uh, to take more pictures. And so I, uh, you know, I I realized I like being outside and I realized I, I, didn't mind taking pictures so i started um after the elk hunt i honestly i just started driving around florida finding all these like backwoods and alleys and and, and taking pictures and then you know 
as I kept taking pictures, I kept trying to figure out how to, uh, just to, to get better photos. Um, yeah. And, and so I basically made it, you know, a, a, became a student of photography and everything I could get my hands on. I was reading, I was watching, um, tons of YouTube videos on, on how to take better photos. I was reading as many articles as I could about how to take better photos. And then, um, you know, just every, everywhere I went, basically I started taking the, the camera with me. And, and at the time when I first really started, I, I mostly just wanted to shoot landscape stuff. So, you know, obviously in Florida, you've, you've got the beach, but I, between, you know, listening to, to meat eater, those guys, I learned about, you know, public lands because um, growing up, I'd never heard of what public lands were. Now I knew about them. So I started trying to find all these, these public land places in, in Florida and I just take my camera and I go hiking through them and, and take a bunch of pictures. And, um, ultimately in the, in July, June of 2018, I went to, uh, I decided to go spring bear hunting in Wyoming. Um, I wanted to get some more photos in the mountains and I, I wanted to see if I could find a bear. So, right. Yeah. So that, I think Step at that one. point I'd seen like, <laughs> at that point I'd seen a black bear twice. Hmm. So, well, see how this goes. How did that go? Um, so I ended up not getting into Wyoming till really late in the season. And I actually got, um, basically got two days to hunt and the season closed down because the quota was re reached for, um, female bears. And, uh, but you know, I, uh, I found bear signs. So in terms of, you know, my ability to find bears, I, I felt a lot better. Um, People don't realize that that's like that, that that's like a victory. If you're not out there doing these kinds of things, it's like going bear hunting. Yeah. Somebody, it's like not into that. They're like, Oh, did you get one? I'm like, no, but we found all the signs and they're like, what are you talking about? That's, that's weird. You know, like, like I am, you know, the, the plight of a, a really sucky fly fisherman that won't stop is like when a fish just comes out and looks at it and like thought about but he thought about it guys he thought about biting that fly and that's about as good as it's going to get for me today and then you know sadly i guess as i admit this on a recorded audio that uh, that makes me feel good for a minute you know that's uh that's where i'm at in my struggle is uh you know but those types of things do it do not we're going to re release an article here soon about s don't laugh at the comically small victories in your life because they they add up and they matter. Um, so that so you 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 go out your your spring bear hunt and then it, it's interesting and I'm I'm kind of experiencing the same thing is that when you when you decide to go do one of these types of things they start to lead into the next thing. You're like, "Well, what about What's going on in the spring? Well, they got turkeys, they got bears. Well, what about down there? Well, you can go red fishing over here. Well, you can. And is that been kind of the same thing for you? Is you, is it one thing sort of leads to the next when it comes to these outdoor pursuits? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, like, 
I, I, you know, while I was on this bear hunt, like I remember like having this moment of clarity of, you know, basically since 2016, I've been trying to figure out, you know, a a pursuit that I can follow. And I, I remember sitting on the side of a mountain and just, it just kind of hit me like, dude, this, this is, this is what you need. You need to be taking photos and you need to be outside going on adventures and, you know, you know how to find places to hunt, you know how to find places to fish, you know how to research the animals, how to research the landscape, you know how to take photos, like, you just need, this is what you need to be doing, and so basically, like, I, you know, at the time, um, Lindsay and I didn't know where we were going to end up, we didn't know what we, what our lives were going to be like, and I said, no, it doesn't matter where we end up, I can find places to hunt. I can find places to fish and I'm just going to go out and I'm going to make the most of it, um, any way I can. So, you know, like we lived for about six months, we were living in Charlottesville, Virginia. And, um, I'd get up at five in the morning so I could fly fish a small river outside of, outside of Charlottesville before, you know, Lindsay had to go to work. Um, and then I take, we have our, our dog and her and I would just spend hours, um, hiking through the woods, you know, with, and I'd have the camera, I'd have the dog and, and, you know, scouting potentially places to fish, potential places to hunt. I think that's kind of a big thing is everybody thinks that, you know, hunting takes place during a season and, and really realistically, you know, if, if you're going to hunt an area, the hunt, hunting goes on year round and understanding how an area works in the spring can better help you in the fall. And, you know, even like, like you were saying, you know, you got a fish to rise. Well, now you know where the fish are. You, you've learned how the fish is using that habitat. You can apply that next time you go into another habitat. You say, Hey, I saw a fish. He was hanging out underneath that, this type of tree. Now I know if I put a, there might be another one you know, in that area. And, you know, the next step is figuring out what that fish is going to actually take. If that makes sense. It seems like, and and you're starting to just really stack up and align um, a lifestyle with your, your body of work and then the way the time and the ebb and flow of being gone and coming back and, you know, well, when I get back, it's going to be this adventure. When I'm out at sea, it's going to be this type of adventure. But all of this really seems to be hinging on uh, curiosity and the willingness to just go try it, right? Like uh, all of these things are not possible if you're not down with that to begin with. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, for me especially, like I look at a lot of it too and it kind of circles back to the to the to the struggle and the the stress part is you know i look at it and say you know you're, you're gonna suck at this and you're gonna want to quit but all those hours of of you know hiking of of studying eventually they're gonna pay off if you just stick with it so you are you're you are being honest with yourself from the beginning you're not like like me where i'm just like this is gonna i'm gonna be awesome this is gonna be we're gonna go out there we're gonna kill an elk it's going to be, they're just going to, they're going to jump out. They're going to be like, here you are. You found me. Go ahead. Like, and then you just get totally, uh, you know, crushed and saddened and humiliated. You at least know what's going down from the get go. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I look at, I mean, I, I, I don't know if, you, if, if you've ever done it, but I occasionally will look at, you know, um, either people's Instagram feeds or like their YouTube video feeds. And occasionally, like if you ever take somebody's Instagram feed and you scroll back to, you know, five years ago and you look at the content they were producing, I guarantee you that over the last five years, they've improved and changed a ton. And so that that's kind of like my motivation is like, dude, you know, you're you'll get there, but it's not going to take a day. It's not right. going to be one photo shoot. It's not going to be one outing. It's going to take um, hundreds, thousands of hours of just constantly working at this, and eventually, you know, you might be decent. Yeah, and if and you so, if you if you come to terms with that, literally, if if you're able, if you have the ability to learn. And, and not be a prideful, arrogant idiot. You can almost do anything you want. We're all bent towards certain things. I, you know, don't get me wrong. Some people are just naturally probably more gifted or talented than something else or one thing or the other. But like you're saying, we all, why do you think that we, we, we forget that so quickly? That wherever we are in this point in our lives, it took all of our lives to get to that point instead of we look at somebody else and we're just like, man, look at that. How'd he do that? You know, that's incredible. He must just be really great at that. And, but we discredit all of the time, all of the struggle that it took to get there. Like I can go buy, I can ask, Hey, what kind of camera do you use? And then you send it to me and I go buy it. I'm not taking those photos and I looking like that, right? You know, you just say, Oh, you got to watch the wind. I can go. But if if I don't put in those same kind of hours, if I don't put in that same kind of effort, I don't get those kind of results. Why do you think that we we, want to treat it like a magic show? Like we don't know how it happened. I I think that it's kind of one of those things. um, it, It kind of ties into, you know, a lot of it is, we, we live in a, in a time where, you know, you can go online and you can order something and it can be at your door and, and, and within a day. And, you know, we kind of live in this world where you can get instant gratification from a lot of, a lot of things. And then also, I think another a part of it is, is um, the guys that have put in the work and put in the effort, they make it look so easy. And, and, you know, we want to, think that they're that we're no different than those guys so we should be able to you know show up and and be just as good and um yeah it's really really hard to make it look easy people don't realize that yeah (laughs) no (laughs) no no it's definitely it takes a lot of work and i know and i and i think too like you know for me at least I, i i still feel like i have so much to learn um in anything that I, that I try to pursue. And, and that's kind of, you know, the approach too, that I think that ever that helps is I, I take this approach of, you know, always I can learn from everyone around me, you know, whether it's the, the guy that's new to holding a camera or it's the guy that's been taking photos for his whole life, you know, everyone can probably teach me, teach me something. So, I kind of have that mindset going into to everything. And you're kind of, you're, you're, you're doing something that's really interesting 
to basically have a, a body of work that exemplifies all that you're talking about. You've got something going right now called uh, Lessons from the Ice, where it's it's mm-hmm. it take what's that all about? So basically, what I what I just started realizing as as I was on this journey to to try to make myself a better person. Um, and taking photos is, is I realized kind of, you know, a lot of how we operate the, the icebreaker translates into, um, translates into, into, to lessons that you can apply to your life. Um, you know, working on the icebreaker, it's very humbling. Um, you can't quit down there. Just a lot of different lessons. And so I, I started trying to incorporate you know instead of just saying on on instagram hey here's a here's a picture hope you like it kind of trying to add some more substance to those photos um you know and a a lot of it i'll be honest a lot of it is is just reminders to myself you know a lot of the of what i'm writing and saying is hey you know uh it's going to take a while to, to to master what you're working at or or whatnot you know how long you you when did you start taking the the camera on the boat with you the i took so i actually i took my old camera in 2018 i took i had a old canon t3i rebel and i took that um in 2018 and then um after that bear hunt, I got home and I remember my, my wife and I, we went on a hike and like right at dusk, we had some fawns walk out and I was trying to get photos and, and my camera just wasn't up to the task. And I'd already done like a ton of research on upgrading my, my camera and uh, my, I, but I didn't really want to pull the trigger and spend the money. And my, my wife kind of was like, dude, this, this is what makes you happy. Like, this is something that is going to be with you That's and you're awesome, going to keep you got pursuing. Somebody, like, you got somebody like that yeah. to, to help, to, <laughs> so, you know, it's cheering you on too. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So see, and so then I, I, that's when I, uh, upgraded my camera and I started taking that on, on trips with me down there. And, uh, I, I can tell you that I, I still am learning so much about, about that camera constantly. Do you ever try to, I do this, do you ever try to talk yourself out of buying things that you know you you are in line with the things that are going to help you spend time doing the things that make you happy, but then you don't seem to think about just buying a stupid thing and then you can't afford to buy the thing that you probably should have went ahead and bit the bullet. It's like, I got no problem buying eight $19 stupidity things that don't help me get out and then my gear for going out in the woods or going on the water still sucks and it's like if i'd have just dropped that all on that thing that helps me get out there and do what i really enjoy and think about the most when i'm not doing it you know what i'm saying do you ever do you have that internal conflict or do i need to see a therapist no uh my mine's kind of the opposite um oh, like okay. so i do need to see a therapist. like i'll buy like i'll buy like uh 
actually my kind of get, catch a little flack for this I'll, I'll like sit there in the grocery store and contemplate like which brand of stuff and how much stuff costs in the grocery store but then i'll go to the to, to the tackle store and i don't think twice and actually have, <laughs> yeah my wife's like how come we don't put this much effort into, into fly fishing I'm like, okay well, uh-huh. right we don't we have Kroger brand pop tarts and we have yeah. sage rods. What's the deal? Yeah. So you're also a big time fly fisherman too, or whatever that means. Big time. I don't know. You, but you're into it. Yeah. Um, so that I, um, let's see. I, I got my, I started fly fishing when I was in high school. Um, actually one of my, I, we, where I grew up, when I was growing up, we lived near the Shakespeare, uh, plant and every year they would have like a, Hey, here's all the stuff we can't sell. So it's super cheap. And, um, my dad would always take me to it. And one year, uh, I picked up a fly rod and he was like, Hey, and I asked him if I could buy it. And he, you know, in his fashion, he looked at me and goes, well, it's your money. You can spend on whatever you want. And so, <laughs> I got a fly rod and he actually, you know, and then once I decided I was going to buy it, he helped me. Um, he, he doesn't fly fish at all, but you know, he helped me try to get some flies that would be helpful. And so, um, yeah, I'd go every day after school and, and try to catch bass on a fly rod. And then I, uh, didn't fly fish again until we lived in Virginia in 2019. And I tried, I was trying to fly fish, you know, living living on the mountains and everything. I was like, oh, try this again. I enjoyed it as a kid. Right. Um, what what uh, you, yeah. you seem to be fairly mobile. How's that? What what's dictating the moves? Because now you're in uh, Corpus Christi, right? Right. Um, so lately, it's been dictated by my my wife and what she does for work. Um, when we met, she was in grad school, and then she had a she was working as a lab tech for a little while in Virginia before she got her current job, which uh, is here in Corpus Christi. And then before my wife, I uh, I moved around a lot, but that was just because you know I wanted to live in as many places as I could, as I could and experience as much as I could. Yeah. Does she uh, she partake in uh, fishing and, and getting out with you? Um, not currently but it's more because uh she's waiting we're getting a skiff and she's waiting for that um I, she hasn't gone out I, I do a lot of wade fishing right now and she hasn't gone out with me she's like i'm not messing with that yeah yeah um but she has like I, she she has no problem with it i mean she spent i think four days this year in the duck blind with with me um hunting ducks and she you know she you're doing she it really all, enjoyed. aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I Say <laughs> have a habit of did you just getting... did you just dive into it? Because that's like yeah, um, yeah. My uh, my my I my dad grew up duck hunting, and he had quit duck hunting um, right around the time I was born. So I never got to go with him. And um, once I started hearing about how good the duck hunting was around here i kind of was like well you know maybe i'll try this and immediately fell in love with it 
and so now I think I spent like I don't know I tried to go like four or five times a week during during the season and, and a lot of it too you know a lot of it too is the same thing as like the way I look, like the approach duck hunting was like you know you've got a short window a short season if you're going to figure this out the only way you're going to figure it out is being out there and doing it so for me it's you know suck it up and go out there and you know i had plenty of days where i didn't even get a duck to come say hi to me and it was all the way i the way i look at all that is just you know now i know where not to set up or how not to set up yeah which is just as important as knowing what works right right so you're building a skiff that's going to be able to kind of go do all that stuff down there aren't you yes yeah oh no, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, because definitely, definitely, the the we're getting a Sabine skiff, and it fits in perfectly with this kind of wandering, traveling, exploring lifestyle that that I really like and enjoy. Um, Man, it's uh, it's it's a, and I'm just stumbling, and I feel like uh you know, like the back to school mom or something almost. It's like, why wasn't I doing this when I was 22 and now I'm 32 and I'm, and I'm just now getting like, man, there is, I'm, it's really impossible for me to be bored. And the opposite is I'm overwhelmed by how much I, I'm like, man, I should have, you know, I should be researching how to go get ready for, you know, turkeys or for ducks, or we got to figure out how to go when, you know, when the bowl season's over, let's, how can we go mule deer hunting and, Colorado and it's just like and then you're like okay just wrangle it in but there's there's if you're willing to which is you know it is very very evident from this conversation if you're willing to to just lean into some 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 discomfort and some growing pains and uh, a a sharp and steep learning curve uh, there's some there's some big living to be had out there oh yeah yeah, no, I I find myself constantly like, dude, you could have been doing this, but you know, a lot of it too with 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 that mindset is is I always immediately after like like I started thinking like that I said you know you had to go through all those years of um, not doing this to really appreciate it to get here like I I just look at that whole entire like the whole journey is you know. I'm where I'm at now and, and I'm moving in the right direction. So obviously I, I needed everything to happen the way it happened. You know? Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about what has already happened anyway. So. Yeah. Right. Just, you know, how can I keep getting better and and keep moving forward? Well, Pete, you're on to something. You, uh, you, you're, you're living an extraordinary existence that you're you're carving out for yourself and for your wife down there and uh it's it's been a treat to kind of dig into how how that has formulated um itself for you um so just uh you know if there's a, if there's something we can take from you just just keep on keep on struggling oh yeah um, so what, what, one of the things that, uh, we're going to be doing here with Pete, with Manchild, is we're going to be featuring the lessons from the ice 
on themanchildmedia.com. You can and and we'll be kind of uh, collaborating with him and 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 featuring his work. We we have nothing to do with the quality of the photos, and that's because they're so good. Um, we have nothing to. It's it's Pete's words. It's it's his experiences. It's his it's his life lessons that he is so kind to share with us. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool to get to work with you here um, in the in the next few weeks and months. I'm 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 pretty excited about it. Yeah. No. I I and I really appreciate you know you giving me this chance this opportunity. Uh, you know, writing is a new thing for me, but it's it's one of those pursuits that I've always been interested and curious about. So I'm, I'm excited to, to, uh, to finally, you know, pursue it a little bit and, and hopefully some of what I write will help somebody. And that's really all if I can help one person or, you know, convince one person to go outside. I'll feel pretty, pretty okay with myself. Well, last thing is that, why do we need to, why do you, why do you want to convince people to go outside? Why is that so important to you? It is to us too, but I want to hear it from you. It, for, for me, like, you know, I, I went through this time where I wasn't going outside. And to be honest, like, I, I, I always felt like something was missing. I didn't feel like a, a full, well, living a full life. And once I got back outside and started hunting and fishing and taking photos and exploring all these places, like, it just, it, it's made me feel like I'm, I'm living a, a full life. It's made me so much happier. Um, you know, I, I come in, I come home at night. I have no problem sleeping. Um, I'm excited to wake up in the morning. I just, every day, you know, has this new sense of adventure and possibilities seem kind of, kind of endless as to, as to what I might encounter. So pretty much just try to spend, you know, every day outside and it, it changed my life. And, and I'm really just a lot of, a lot of what I want to do and why I keep trying to get better at, taking photos and I'm trying to learn how to put videos together is hopefully to, to encourage people to, to get outside and, and to, to, you know, become better. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Pete, thanks for being on the man child podcast and, uh, you guys will be hearing much more from Pete very soon. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. There you have it. Cool guy. Doing cool stuff uh, because he decided he wanted to. All right. Hope you enjoyed it as much as uh, I enjoyed having that conversation. All right, thank you as always for listening. Guys, if you like what's going on, please, please share it, okay? Nothing better, no better endorsement than the word of mouth of one of your friends that uh, tells you this is a real deal and it's worth your time. Um, Goes a long way for us. If you like the podcast, um, I'm told if you go on to iTunes or Apple and you uh, rank it or rate it and give it all the stars, it helps people find it better help us spread the message the great message of struggle and uh thank you to patrick davis our engineer of uh, all things audio and uh technological thank you to uh 
our, our man David Lessing, the creator and performer of the Manchild Jingle. The Handsome Family is that haunting song you've heard at the beginning and the end of this podcast. And uh, they're super weird and great, so check them out when you get a chance. And uh, anything else and everything else, guys, send us a message. Give us, uh, you know, follow us on Instagram at the Manchild Movement. And uh, keep keep track, keep up to date with what's going on with all of our uh, follies and foolishness. And, uh, you know, let us know who you are and what you're up to. And uh, we would love to be a part of that as well. All right. Keep on keeping on. Struggle and struggle well. All right. Love you. Bye.